I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm and the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello, welcome to the conversation. Today I have with me Kim Daly. She has spent the last 20 years helping people achieve financial freedom by enabling them to find the perfect franchise opportunity. Her skill for matching a client's background, interest, finances, and life goals to the ideal opportunities made her one of the top franchise consultants in the country. And today we're going to learn insights into what we can seem like a daunting process, deciding on the perfect franchise to enable you to gain financial freedom. So, Kim, initially you were not in this business. You were in the fitness nutrition world, right? Correct. So why franchises? Why make that move? Funny, right? Well, so I, when I was growing up, I wanted to help people. And so I, I was a straight A student and I said, okay, I'm going to go to medical school. Um, Then I ended up answering a classified ad in the newspaper um, after undergrad And it was for a franchise consulting company that literally changed my life. When I found this industry of franchising where people help people every single day, people are realizing their dreams, living their dreams. I knew that Kim Daly had found her homeland. (laughs) So I just, it was the perfect place for me. I never looked back. And so I never really was a professional. Um, I did have um, start my own company. The company that I got out of college working for that franchise consulting company is not the one I'm part of today. I worked for that company for three years and then said, I want to be an entrepreneur. So I went out and started my own company and did that for five years only to realize that entrepreneurship is really lonely. And franchising is where it's at because we're in business for ourselves, but not by ourselves. 
and the support that allows the scale and the leverage that allows you to work on your business rather than in your business. All of those characteristics that are the things I'm selling to other people were the things that as an entrepreneur, I was lacking and missing. So uh, when I was 29 years old, I turned to the business I'm in now, and it's been the most amazing 20 years ever. So a a lot of similarities between the real estate space and franchise space, a lot of real estate entrepreneurs and investors go into franchising and vice versa. A lot of franchisees get into the real estate business Why do you think that is? Yes, I love it. And I love working with people that have the real estate investor mindset because they already understand, like they're already looking for typically diversified streams of income, right? So when we look at an entrepreneur, so an entrepreneur has to be in love with the business because they're creating it, right? They're bringing something new to market and they have to have their hands in all aspects of it. But I love to say that franchisees love what the business affords, which is money and quality of life. (laughs) So because we're taking somebody else's proven plan and toolbox and then executing on that to create an outcome, that means that franchise owners can come in as what we call semi-absentee owners. And in, in a very rare few franchises, I would even say more absentee, like the extreme trade-off of money for time, say, for example, like a laundromat, right? Big capital investment, but a very low time commitment by the owner. So the mindset of a real estate investor who, again, is looking for diversified streams of income, who doesn't have full-time effort to put into the startup of a business, but has some time commitment, who understand the tax advantages from real estate investing that also business investment can produce, you know, who's looking for additional cash flow. And that's what I've got going on over here in franchising all day long. So it really is uh, the same person for both a real estate investment and a franchise investment in many cases. So, you know, if you're listening to this conversation and you're thinking about getting to the business, what are the top three you know, four or five things that you need to consider before jumping in if you don't have any background in this world. Okay. So, and Brian, really, this is why I have a business. I say when people are like, hey, I'm curious about like what, what's out there? What would I be good at? What can I afford? That's why Kim Daly has a business. So I offer a free service that coaches people. Like I gather all that data and then I have 20 years of knowledge about who's who in franchising and what's what and what are the next up and coming brands. And for those kind of more pioneering um, candidates versus the more proven stable brands for those people that are a little conservative or a little risk averse. So you don't have to know what is the right business for you. You come to someone like me And I will bring the ideas to you and we'll do the territory check as well to make sure that where you want the business to operate is viable for that specific business and open, that they haven't already sold it to somebody else. So that's why I have a business. So to answer your question, I think the things that we're looking at first and foremost is like, I want to know the first thing I'm going to ask from everybody I work with is what are your goals? Like, why do you think you want to franchise? So I'm infinitely more interested in what you want to achieve through the business 
than I am interested in like your hobby. I don't want to mat. You're not buying a hobby, right? You're buying an investment vehicle. So by understanding what, where you're trying to end up and in what time frame, I can better assess, you know, is it a slow and steady ride or are we looking for a rocket ship? You know, are you looking to build something and exit in five to seven years or build it and maybe leave it as a legacy for your kids? Because those are potentially different industries and different brands, right? So we, 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 I, I break the conversation down like that, Brian. Vision, financial capability. Look, money creates options. Right? The more money you have in anything in life, the more options you have. But there are, there are investments that are $30,000, $50,000 in franchising. There are investments that are three, four, five million dollars So it's though it's that's where our conversation would begin. And in terms of how things have changed with COVID um, on the franchise level, you know, I, I think we're familiar. Many of us think of, of the franchise model. And we think fast, casual food, but there's a whole another universe out there of viable franchise investments. Where are you seeing trends right now in, in a positive direction? And where are some franchise industries or businesses that you are consulting people to, to stay away from right now? Such a great question. So let's back up a little bit and let me say this, that in good times and bad, the franchise industry grows. People always want opportunity. Their motivations for investing in a franchise may change, right? If someone at the, if there's a recession and someone loses their job, then they've got to create stability for their future. So they look to, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to become a franchise owner in um, a booming, you know, um, market, Americans want more of the American dream. And so they're looking to grow their net worth. So in good and bad, people are looking at franchising. So that's the good news for my business, right? I would say right now, I, I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, my pipeline has never been so big. I have never had so many people to help and literally just in some cases, not enough hours in a day to help them all. Um, so franchising is on fire, but you're right. Um, there are in some industries that are better than others. So my philosophy for 20 years has always been to help lead people to businesses with low fixed costs. Businesses that are often wrapped in a membership or wrapped in reoccurring revenue where you have predictable, scalable revenue and you can control your fixed costs. So as one of America's top franchise consultants, if um, I love to say that like, I'm very proud to say, like, I've helped probably less than a dozen people get into food in 20 years. Like, I don't show it. People have to beg me for food. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no okay. money in it compared to other things. Okay. So to answer your question, like, what are some of the industries during co that are kind of post, if we are post COVID in 2022, um, home services, huge, huge growth, right? Because so we're all home in 2020, 2021 even, right? We had to create space for offices and school. We started like opening the closet door that we were avoiding forever because we had nothing better to do. Now, <laughs> that's when you know you have nothing good going on, right? When you start cleaning out the garage or cleaning out the closet, junk removal companies through the roof, closet organizing companies through the roof, right? How many new pools were built in 2020 and 2021, right? I have a friend, he owns a pool company. He can't keep up with the growth, right? And then think about all of the ancillary services, pool cleaning franchises, outdoor lighting franchises, patio building, concrete stamping. Those are all franchise businesses that 
you or I as consumers may not even know that these businesses we're interacting with are franchises, but that's where the daily coach comes in. Though that's those are really like the sweet spot of where I I like to lead people. Um, and one thing you said is um, you said something about experience. And in in any franchise business, you as the owner do not need to come with prior industry experience in order to be successful. If you need prior industry experience, the franchisor will say that. If they're not saying it, you don't have to second guess it because they can teach you about insulation or about, you know, um, California closets, like the product lines. They can teach you that. But let's say that the, the number one characteristic to drive that business is sales. They can't necessarily teach you to be like the person. They can teach you sales, but they can't teach you to enjoy other people, right? They can't teach you how to be that leader that can, you know, attract a team of salespeople around you that are going to go out every day and build your brand for you and your community. So you as the owner of the business are bringing sort of the key skill set that drives that particular type of business, but then the franchisor can train you on the industry-specific knowledge. And in many cases, Brian, the franchisor is hiring maybe tradespeople, whether they're contracting the work out or they're hiring people as employees, but you can hire to the experience of the business if you need it. But again, the franchisor will tell you that's how we do it. You don't have to make it up or even, like I said, come with the skill. So- to kind of pull the string on this part of the conversation a little bit more, there are certain industries that you do like and, and certain ones that you you don't like as much, right? You're talking about food, you, you tend to stay away from. Are there, and you've been doing this for 20 years, are there consistent characteristics within the client side that you see as red flags that these type of personalities or these type of backgrounds or to your point, what you're hoping to solve for aren't a good fit for the franchise business. And obviously the flip side conversation, are there certain fact patterns that you see that lead to people have outside success within this world? Such a great question. Okay. So (laughs) anybody listening to this though, don't take this as like, there's no like Bible truth. So one thing I did learn, I've learned many, many years ago, Brian, was that it's not my job to play God with anybody's life. And I can never predict who's going to go on and become successful and who's not. Like I've worked with people that I thought, oh dear Lord, please do not say yes to this business, right? Just a sense of their, you know, whether it just be maybe more introverted personality or I don't know, just a feeling. And and literally some of those people have gone on to become multi-millionaires, through their franchise. Then I work with people that I'm like, oh, this person is like a slam dunk. And then, you know, six, six months, 18 months later, the franchisor says, oh, you know, Mike closed his doors. Do you want to help us resell his business? And I'm like, what? And I'm so beside myself. So first of all, anybody listening, don't take what I'm about to say as like any kind of Bible truth. Cause what ultimately the factor that leads to your success, I think if I had to sum it up, Probably the number to spin it positively, Brian, the number one characteristic that you need to have to be a successful business owner, you need to be competitive. You need to have that inner drive, right? That that self-motivation that gets you out of bed 
not because anybody's like driving you to push to produce a result, but because it's inside you, right? It's like a love of personal development or personal growth. Just you wake up every day to be better than you were the day before. And you can, you can attract employees and you can bring that out of those employees if you want leverage of, it, of, of a team. So I think that competitive drive is probably at the top. So a lack of competitive drive, people that are looking for somebody else, like, well, what is the franchisor going to do for me? Or, you know, well, my community has a lot of competition, so this isn't going to work. Or, you know, this is a highly saturated market. Why do they want to sell another franchise? Those are all perfectly good thoughts and questions, but you have to be willing to hear the answer from the franchisor and then look inside yourself because ultimately, as the owner of the business, the success of that business is in your hands. So what you believe to be true is ultimately what you will make true. So we have to be careful what we believe. And so an another thing that I would say for a person that may not be a good candidate for franchising, sometimes entrepreneurs are not good franchise owners because if you've been out there successful on your own, inventing, creating, driving business, scaling business, like the first thing I would say to that person is, so why are we looking at a franchise now, right? Sometimes entrepreneurs are the easiest people to kind of sell on the value proposition of a franchise like myself, because they know how hard it is to do it on their own. But sometimes that entrepreneur can't, can't doesn't want to be coached, doesn't want to be told how to do something, doesn't want to follow somebody else's way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that is a struggle in a franchise. The number one factor to your success in a, in a franchise is following their lead is doing it their way, right? Because it like if you in a franchise, like if you look at like just pick fast food, you know, like the consistency of how you make a sandwich is what makes the brand. So you got to do it their way. But like extrapolate that to any other business, right? If the way you walk on a lawn to optimize speed for spraying for mosquitoes is a certain way, like you got to do it their way, right? So following somebody else's lead being able to follow the plan and being coachable, that's probably equally as important to being competitive for success in a franchise business. So I agree with you. I think in my experience, the franchisor is really critical in this evaluation. Do you provide consulting practices around the franchisor side in terms of there are groups that are really good at this, right? They understand how to run a franchise business, how to be a really good franchisor even if you are the greatest franchisee in the world, if the franchisor and you have a bad relationship, it's not going to be successful for either of you. So how do you help people navigate it, especially if it's a new concept that's being rolled out? Yeah, it's a very, very good question. And what I would say first and foremost is when you say yes to a franchise, you are not buying a widget. You are buying people. It's all about leadership, right? Widgets, have to change sometimes over time, right? Or, or the business becomes obsolete. <laughs> so you, and you're not buying the business for where it is today. You're buying it for where it's going. So it's gotta be backed by people that have a vision, that have money, resources, right? That have um, the wherewithal to be able to inspire you and all the other franchise owners to come together and to bring this brand, to, to carry the brand forward. So my entire focus on due diligence 
is on people, not widgets, right? It's on people, not brands, not widgets. So um, that is ultimately the value that I bring to my candidates. I look at that as why I have a business to save candidates from investing in their hobby because that hobby, if it's backed by a really strong franchisor with a really strong track record, that could be an amazing business for you. But I don't want you to bypass the leadership and their track record and understanding as you so perfectly said it, like how to adequately support and build a franchise organization because you love the widget. Because the widget isn't what's going to make you money long term, right? It's it's the people, the leadership on how to bring that widget to market. So it's always about the people. And that's where I come in. Not all franchisors are created equal. I've been doing this for 20 years. These franchisors I work with, they're like, they're like my college friends, you know, we've been together for 20 years and we get together twice a year face to face. We we are lucky enough to, I'm part of a franchise that um, helps me you know, in my business. And what they do for me is they bring us together twice a year, our top 100 franchisors that we're helping to grow. And we share best practices and we celebrate success. And we get to hear like what's new and late and great in their business or what's changed in the last six months. So that I'm always sort of up on at least those, you know, top 100, the moving and shaking franchises, but there are thousands of franchises out there. It's just, they're not, thousands out there that are necessarily worth your or anybody else's time. You know, I don't want you to be the guinea pig in a franchise. If we if we look at like that the fact that 90% of businesses fail before their 5th anniversary, right? Like that's a widely known statistic. Well, a franchise business that's backed by people that have never built a franchise organization before is nothing more than a startup business. The stabilizing point of a franchise is about 100 units. So what I would say is if you're looking at a franchise that is not backed by people that have have a demonstrated track record of understanding how to support franchise owners and build the infrastructure as they're selling franchises to support that growth and have the financial resources to support all of that because it isn't cheap to build a franchise, right? Then the business that you are looking at is nothing more than one of those statistics where 90% of the time that business will be just that, a statistic, not a successful brand. Want to learn more about investing in alternatives? Get started by joining the Capital Club, where you'll get exclusive access to alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, and an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals. You can sign up by going to our website at www.excelsiorgp.com. And do you think that's in part due to the motivation for some of these groups to get into the franchise business in terms of the franchisor perspective? That they think it's just an easy way to cut down on overhead and operating expenses, management, et cetera, and they can make fees off the franchisees. Is that a trend that you've seen play out over the last 20 years? I'm smiling. If you can, if people are watching the video on this. Yeah, I do think that the motivation for many people to turn their business into a franchise is they see the dollar signs of that royalty stream, but jokes on them, because if you don't actually care about the success of the people that you are placing into your franchise, there's not going to be a royalty stream. You know, they make money and then you make money. 
right? It's cannot be the other way around. And it, it, it can come through so loud and clear, like so quickly. And when people come to me, like this morning, I was working with a gentleman who is fairly down the path with some franchise I had never heard of. And I, I don't, I'm not, I'm like, great. You know, I don't know anything about that franchise, but let's do this. Let's build the model and let me bring an idea or two to you backed by franchisors that I know are A plus players. And what I want you to do is I want you to, to kind of judge that franchisor off of these that I know are A plus. And if that one ends up being A plus, awesome. Good for you, right? It doesn't have to be Kim's way. I'm not here to like tell you what's good for your life. I love what I do because it, it I get to help people make good, strong, uh, solid investment decisions. I help them be competent in their due diligence because they can understand what is it I'm looking for and what are the questions I should be asking and who should I be talking to and what does this process of investing in a franchise include? You know, because there are some franchisors out there that say to candidates, no, you don't have access to talk to our franchisees before you give us money. Well, that's not the way that it really is. One of the biggest advantages of investing in a franchise is the family of franchise owners who can validate the story. So if a franchisor is not giving you access to their franchisees, let me tell you why. It's because they're probably not going to say good things. And that franchisor doesn't want you to hear what they're going to say. So by law, according to the Federal Trade Commission rule, which regulates franchising, you are entitled to talk to anybody who signed a franchise agreement before you give the franchisor any money. So it's things like that, that there are franchisors out there trying to pull things over on people that when they come to me, I'm like, yep, that, that, that's a sure sign that they are not a sophisticated, you know, franchisor because that's not how it's done. I, I know um, that this business goes through cycles often of Wall Street or private equity wanting corporates to take back franchises from franchisees and to consolidate them or to prefer to have a smaller number of franchisees owning, owning more locations. Where are we in that cycle right now? And, and I'm sure it does depend on industry, but are you seeing that trend go one way or the other? I actually don't. I'm not really aware of that trend. So um, a lot of the franchises that I work with definitely look for, I mean, come on, who doesn't want fewer franchisees owning bigger businesses? That's just going to be a more stable organization with way less people to, you know, personalities to manage and, you know, and coach. So that, I think that's a given among every real franchisor. Like when I say the stabilizing point of a franchise is to get to a hundred units, for a company that's working through Fran Choice, which is the franchise that I'm a part of, you know, that that happens in like the first year of growth. If their unit economics are good and the leadership and support is there, that's 30 people who all move forward with three units, boom, 90 units. So we could have entire markets in the country, like some of the best markets in the country, like Dallas or uh, Denver, Atlanta, Mi Minneapolis completely sold out and not one unit of the franchise even open, right? So it's more the franchisors that I'm working with are definitely looking for that multi-unit investor model because again, well, I didn't say this, but the, the wealth in a franchise is created through the scale, just like real estate, right? It's not about one door, it's about multiple doors and the leverage that that affords. And so the same thing in a franchise, it's all about 
multiplying, whether it's multiplying through people, multiplying through equipment, or multiplying through real estate, somehow you got to scale through one of those things. So that's what the franchisors would be looking for. I don't really know about big corporations. I don't work with a ton of franchises that are backed by big, big corporate America, um, mainly because <laughs> I think uh, most of the people I work with are, are refugees from corporate America. <laughs> they don't want to go back to big corporate America. <laughs> so they're looking for that. Like, But that doesn't mean that I don't work with publicly traded franchises, right? I work with Exponential Fitness, which is the largest fitness franchisor in the world. And they became a publicly traded company in July of 2021. So I do work with some very large franchisors, but in a franchise, private equity backed or doing an IPO, what that means to franchise owners is just more financial resources, more stability and ability for the franchise to grow. So my, my business partner is, is Indian and within the Indian diaspora, there's a huge amount of franchisees. And it seems to be a recurring story of folks immigrating to America, getting into the franchise business. As we've seen that play out, call it since the 60s, 70s, 80s, are you seeing more and more of those franchise businesses staying in the family or is some of them exiting? Are there, are there large transactions happening? And do you consult with those type of folks to kind of navigate that decision? I love that. I love generational wealth. <laughs> and I, but I also love building for an exit strategy in some franchise brands. And depending on where in the life cycle of the growth of a brand an investor enters, right? So if you're entering at the beginning of a brand that goes on to become the next Planet Fitness, right? And as Planet Fitness grew up and did its IPO, there was like kind of the original wave of owners who then saw, you know, things, the whole industry and stuff changing as the competition was waking up and the world was changing about, about you know, $10 a month fitness. And they saw their greatest exit strategy moment. Some of my friends in Planet had were offered eight multiples. Like they're not hanging on to eight multiples, but there was a moment in time and the massage envy went through the same thing, right? Massage envy doesn't hold on to big six, seven, eight multiples upon exit, but there was a moment. So if you get in as a pioneer and you ride that wave up, you can consider that exit strategy moment. And that's where I really coach a lot of my candidates too to build and sell because, you know, people get in and they start, oh, well, what happens? And, you know, 15 years, if nobody wants this, I'm like 15 years, like get in, build it in seven or eight years, put a for sale sign on it and exit and let it be somebody else's worry, you know, like shorter thinking enables this conversation to be a little lighter. Like people's thinking is a little more nimble when they're like, all right, you know, 15 years is a really long time. But on the flip side of that, for these families that are looking to build generational wealth and they're getting into things like hotels or automotive businesses or, or businesses that can be passed on, there certainly is an opportunity for that. And, and oftentimes those bigger um, franchise brands are very attractive to small private equity groups still though. You know, when you're looking to exit your entire family to exit, I mean, if somebody would pay you millions to exit, why wouldn't you exit, right? So it's kind of like positioning yourself from the beginning for that moment. If it doesn't happen and you love your business, it doesn't happen. But what if it does happen, you know? How many of your clients own multiple uh 
franchise franchise names or, or franchise yep. uh, i'm not sure what the term would be but yep so brian i've been doing this for a long time as i said so uh a lot of my candidates come back and are ready for their next investment their next investment the beautiful thing that i'm seeing in franchising is there are a lot of these um like parent franchise umbrella companies coming. It's like, let's go back to home services, right? So you form a parent organization and you have a power washing company, you have a, a house painting company, you have a mosquito spraying company, right? So then what and it, that enables is the franchisee to enter in one vertical scale to two or three locations. So you get that economy of scale. Once you get up the learning curve, the, the second location or the second territory goes faster and easier, right? You can shift employees around. You can, you know, share some of your advertising dollars. So there's big economies of scale and first getting into one vertical and then growing to multiples. But now you don't have to go shop a new franchisor, learn a whole new system, right? You can like slide over horizontally to the next bit home service company that they're bringing in that, you know, the franchisor uses the same CRM system, the same SEO system, the same. So, and, and you know that you're already fully bought into the culture and the leadership of this franchisor. And it, so it enables for scale in mult in diversification that much easier and that much faster. And think about that fran franchisor to the question you were asking earlier. Now they can have fewer franchisees building much, much bigger businesses and never worry about running out of territory, right? And then the franchise owner can leverage even in some cases, the exact same customer, right? Oh, we already clean your pool. You know, now we're adding on a power washing. So now we can power wash your deck in the spring. So, it may, oh, while you're here to clean my pool, you can power wash my deck. Okay, sign me up. You know, like it's it's a no brainer. So franchising through the 20 years that I've been a part of it has really become a much more sophisticated industry, much more attractive to private equity. Um, which again, in a franchise, I know W2 employees hear that and, uh, <laughs> but franchisees hear it and clap, right? Because that just means more money, more access to ability to grow faster and, and to build bigger, bigger, stronger brands. Um, so yeah, like, I, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned home services a number of times. I don't want to date this conversation, but it, it is March of, of 2022, is this is that your best idea right now? Is that what you're you're leading with that you think offers one of the most attractive risk reward profiles today? Um, I do love home services, but not because it's home services. I love it because they're fairly low investments and they offer attractive scale, usually through equipment and people versus real estate, which is cheaper, right? Um, because they have low fixed costs, which means that my business owners sleep peacefully at night because they're not worried how are they going to cover $25,000 a month in overhead, right? When no one's coming in. Um, and for so for all those reasons, home services has usually have all of those characteristics. But there are other businesses like I... I love, I love to shock people. <laughs> like part of the fun of my business is like, okay, your dream business is, you know, like today on Kim Daily TV, I put out a new video, a new interview with um, the CEO of an insulation company. And, and that's how I sort of introduced it. I'm like, yeah, everybody. I'm like, I'm going to tell you today, your new dream business is ah, koala insulation, you know, like said nobody ever. Right. 
But so when you when when an investor starts to think about, wow, well, everybody has a house and most people that own a home it has to be insulated, right? When we were all home in the pandemic, we were heating and cooling different than when we were going to work in an office. We became more aware of our heating and cooling bills. And this particular company can show immediate savings on somebody's energy bills. Like, so if you're like, why, you know, the first thing you do is you call your HVAC guy and be like, why does this air conditioner keep kicking on? Like, what is the deal? He does what he can do. And he says, look, I mean, this thing works, looks like it's working fine to me. I don't really know why your, your energy bill is so high. So the next thing you're going to do is look to an insulation company. And this particular company has high technology. They can come in and they can measure the R factor in your house. Like, and they can literally, when they can guarantee you savings on your heat, on your cooling bill. So like that's real money in a homeowner's pocket. Who doesn't want to have a customer where you can be like, I can save you money. Right. So Brian, it's more those characteristics. I, I, I equally love like B2B services. One of my favorite little companies that I had a heyday with for a couple of years. Um, it's pretty much sold out now, but it was called smash my trash. So this is a business-to-business -business trash compacting franchise. You're like, what? Right? Yeah, literally. For men who love like big, heavy trucks, <laughs> and, like not that they're going to be driving it, but there's a lot of depreciation in that in that equipment. And come on, they get they get a little excited when they're like, yeah, I own all that heavy equipment. But you you literally sign up a business that has a commercial dumpster. So look at all the businesses out there that have dumpsters outside of their property, and you reduce their haulaway volume. So it's a green company and you're saving the business money. You're coming in, you put this huge smashing arm right down into the dumpster and roll that thing flat. That smashing arm is so strong. It can take a, a steel drum and smash it like a Coke can, like if I stepped on a Coke can. So that was like my little, I had a heyday with that thing for a couple of years. It's business to business, Monday through Friday, no nights, no weekends, no holidays for you or your employees. It's reoccurring revenue, right? The thing's going to get full again. We got to come back and smash it, right? It, it requires one inside salesperson and one commercial driver's license. And off you go. Like, what's not to like about this business, right? And it's trash. It's not like it's ever going away. <laughs> so it, it's, to answer your question, it's more those characteristics that I get in love with versus like food. Everybody has to eat. Yeah, but um, everybody doesn't have to eat out. And everybody may not want to eat that niche of food that you're serving. And, you know, if times get tough, people may just say, I'm going to cook at home. And the main thing with a food-based business that I really don't like is when you look at the cost to make that food, you have the cost of the food itself, and then you have the cost of the human to prepare that food. So you can drive more revenue through your Jimmy John's or your Jersey Mike's or whatever it is, but you can never escape your expenses. So you can do a million dollars in chicken wings, right? nights, weekends on a college campus, your busiest day of the year is Super Bowl Sunday. Are you sold yet, Brian? You're like, no, I want to be home enjoying Super Bowl Sunday. Thank you very much, right? But these are the characteristics of a wing stop, right? But so when you look at the net margin, if you're an efficient operator, I don't want to make any earnings claims, but let's just, for this conversation, let's say that like the guy can barely clear a hundred thousand, right? Because he, he has all the labor and all the food costs and everything. So let's compare that to a simple little 1500 square foot yoga studio. 
So the yoga studio is has controllable fixed costs, right? It's a simple build out. Doesn't cost you a lot to get it open. A small team of passionate employees, right? Excited to teach yoga. But the main characteristic is it's membership-based. So you're like, okay, my fixed expenses are, let's say, $15,000 a month. And that equates to 200 members. So when I get to 200 members, I'm sleeping peacefully at night. But what happens when you get to 300, 400, 800 members in your yoga studio? What happens is your bottom line grows exponentially. So if you do a million dollars in top line revenue, this is where you see owners clearing 200, 300, 400,000. Like, why would anybody ever pick food? They pick it because they don't know what I'm sharing with you right now, right? This is why I have a business. So in addition to the franchise work, you also do motivational uh, consulting, I, I, I guess would be the way to put it, just general business consulting. I can, uh, for people who aren't watching, like you could feel the energy coming off the screen. It's pretty wild. <laughs> so I can imagine you just crush it when you go to a, a sales meeting or you come on site and do that type of work. My, my question is, what motivates you? Like you're so passionate about this business. Do you have your own motivational person that comes to get you hyped up for coming on this show and crushing it for 41 minutes? I mean, how does that work for you personally? Thank you, Ryan. That's so nice. I, I do love what I do. I love helping people. Like I told you my entire life, I've, I've only wanted to help people. So I, when I was 15 years old, I I've always had internal drive. My dad was always sort of like building me up when I was young and like really pushing me, but I mean, in a very good way, like he saw the potential in me to like, you know, become an athlete and develop that competitive drive and, you know, read personal development books from a very young age. And when I was 15 years old, he gave me a book by Dr. Dennis Waitley called the psychology of winning. And I remember sitting on my bedroom floor, like devouring the book. And I remember thinking, this is what I want to do with my life. Like, I want to help other people be the best version of them. But like, how does one do that? Like, I don't know how you do that, you know? So I'm going to help people by going to med school. But one day I was 40 years old. I was in a hotel room getting ready to host a live event because before 2020 and before KimDaily.tv, that's what I did. I traveled around and I hosted live events to get people to want to work with me. And um, I would bring out people that I had helped say yes to tell their story. And then, you know, when we would motivate other people to want to work with me. But um, I remember sitting in the hotel room in Dallas and thinking to myself, well, look at you, Kim Daly. You are like a motivational speaker right now. (laughs) People are coming out and you're going to help them change their life. So I don't know, Brian, I I think I was just born. Like I told you, when when I found that franchise consulting job through a classified ad, I knew that I had found what I was, the people and the environment that I was born to be in. And I've just nurtured it. And listen, the franchise industry has changed my life. I am living the life of my dreams. I have been self-employed since I was 25 years old. Now, my dad would say, I've been the boss of Kim since I was probably two, (laughs) right? He's like, you've always been unemployable, Kim. (laughs) But I would say I've been unemployable for 20 something years, right? But so- I want that for other people. And I am happy to teach people what I've learned through the school of experience and hard knocks. 
and save them a little bit of time and energy if I can. But at the end of the day, experience is really the only teacher. So no matter how much I talk to people and try to motivate them, you still got to put yourself in the arena and kind of figure it out for yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that personally, <laughs> for sure. I think your bio talked about uh, you know how you've given yourself an MBA over the last 20 years. And I believe it. I'm sure you've seen a lot failure and success and everything in between. And you have to, you have to be willing to like, let it go wrong. Cause you're not really going to learn unless it goes wrong. Right. We don't learn when it's going right. We just take it for granted. <laughs> it's not until you know what hits the fan and then you're like, Oh my God. But that's what I mean when I say competitive spirit, because if you don't have grit and you don't have driving motivations behind you, you're going to quit. Right. You have to have that internal drive and that, that motivation. Like I'm a single mom, like, and I don't really like think of that as pressure on my back anymore, but there were times when I thought about that, I'm, you know, the pressure of that, of like, I mean, I got, I got to make this work. Right. But that in a good way, that's what gets me out of bed every day. And now it's just the opportunity to help as many people as I can help. Um, because I think that what I offer really saves people from making investment decisions that they may regret. And I think that I can steer them to, you know, really good franchisors and teach them what's important in this process. So, well, along those lines, you know, if people are interested in learning more about your services, be it on the franchise side or the motivational side, or just business consulting in general, what's the best way for them to learn more? Yeah. KimDaily.tv. So like I said, when I could no longer travel around the country, I turned that camera on, started building Kim Daily TV, and um, I'm, it's my passion project. It is the most fun I've ever had in my professional life. It's so funny. I'm making content to inspire other people's lives, and in doing this, I'm living like my dreams. It's, it cracks me up every single time we do a video shoot, so please check out my YouTube channel. All of my contact information is there. It will lead you to my website, and you can contact me there. Yeah. And, and to echo that, while I was doing prep for the conversation, I checked out the website, checked out the YouTube channel, and she's producing some incredible content, giving away a lot of educational uh, uh, resources for free. So I definitely encourage people to check it out. And I'm, uh, I'm glad that we could do this. I know we had to reschedule it. And now I've got two friends that live in Rye Beach. So it's good. <laughs> Very good. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like <laughs> most people don't even know New Hampshire is like a state. So smallest <laughs> coast in a, smallest coast in America, right? Yeah, right. 17 miles. I've got, yeah. I got a little piece of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Kim, thank you for joining us. It's been tremendous. I definitely encourage people to check out the resources you're producing and um, hopefully people can learn from what you're doing. And I hope you keep on helping people. Thank you so much for letting me be a guest on your show. Okay. Thanks, Kim. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.